Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Canon Thinks Podcast. Today, I have a really special guest on. We're going to be doing a lot of episodes together. His name is Michael. He's a friend, a mentor, and he's got a really cool podcast. Michael, thanks for coming on the show, and please introduce yourself. Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Michael Skywalker. Uh, my real name, which is also actually more cool, is Michael Adini Ranier. I live in San Diego. I have my podcast called uh, Cheesecake and Coffee, which is uh, very philosophical in nature. And we talk about a whole bunch of different things, actually. Politics. I'm uh, going to be releasing an episode on mary jane or as some other people call it marijuana on 420 um we talk about a lot a lot lot of fun stuff like i said earlier politics film technology society psychedelics self-improvement uh the list goes on it's a lot like my podcast i'm a pretty big fan of yours you just kind of appreciate that talk about a lot of different things and deep dive into different things and i like the fact that you focus more on big ideas rather mm. than foc- like nitpicking on things that aren't as important. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, I feel like everything is balanced, right? So uh, it doesn't have to be always serious. We we like to, you know, let loose a little bit um, and talk about other ideas because everything is balanced, right? Like nobody wants to work out every day for the rest of your lives. It's nice to, you know, eat bad once in a while so that's kind of the same ideology i bring in it's 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 nice to to have balance uh but for the most part we talk about you know things that we all want to talk about and discuss Uh, that's what i do on mine as well i i do cover a lot of rather serious subjects or just you know those kind of things but i also really love to just review crappy movies yeah once in a while (laughs) and that's kind of my like let loose and just just kind of destroy a movie for for fun, right? But to be honest with you, is there anything such as a a crappy movie? Because I think, quote unquote, at least in my opinion, the crappy ones are cult classics. <laughs> so really, well, so. I mean, for me, I mean, the biggest crappy movie of all time would be the Emoji Movie, which is the first movie I ever reviewed on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it is awful. One. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> well, you don't need to. So, I think we're actually going to be doing Cats next week. That'll be really, yeah. you know, I might have to, <laughs> to hop in that discussion. Well, actually, I probably have to watch it first because I haven't seen it yet. But uh, yeah, we're going to watch it like the day of and then just okay. take notes while we're watching it and then just roast it for an That'll hour. That'll be funny. That'll be funny. It'll and be if good. you don't mind, can you introduce yourself to, to my audience as well? Because I'm going to be posting all our amazing uh, podcasts on mine too. Yeah. So um, definitely. Please, the floor is yours. So my name's Cannon Winder, and I'm the host of the Cannon Thinks podcast. I'm 22 years old, based out of Utah, and I really, really am a big fan of Joe Rogan and a lot of those open-ended discussion kind of podcasts where they bring on guests from both sides of the political spectrum, and they go over lots of different topics. So my podcast is focusing on discussions, interviews, and I also do movie reviews. So I like to do... What I like to do with the movie reviews is cover a really serious good movie like a cult classic and then the next week I'll do a bad movie and just kind of roast it for an hour. Mm. And I really, really enjoy making the podcast and it's been a really good creative outlet for me during the quarantine and it's kind of keeping me sane. Well said, well said. And guys, I just want to say, Canon is phenomenal. You have to check out his podcast. 
some of my favorites are the ones he did on uh, Mere Christianity. Uh, it's a C.S. Lewis book that he talks about and discusses, and he breaks it down brilliantly. And uh, another one I really liked was uh, uh, his podcast on philosophy, uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Um, and his other podcasts are also amazing. So definitely give him a check out. And uh, we'll be doing a lot of podcasts together. So um, yeah, definitely. We get along really well and we have good yeah. discussions. <laughs> uh, 100%, 100%. So let's dive deep. Let's go. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the rise of technology throughout the 20th century, or at least that's the beginning of what we're going to talk about. We're going to use that as the main theme. And I'm going to start today off with a quote from this guy named Charles Duell, who worked in the U.S. Patent Office. And this quote's from 1899, where he said, everything that can be invented mm. has been. What an ignorant quote. Yeah. I, you know, it was really funny when I, when, we first, uh, when I first saw that quote, I thought that was what you thought. <laughs> it's like dude you literally work in a patent offense what are you doing right but then again can you blame him because i think it just goes to show that the ideology that we had back then you know this was over what a little over 100 years ago uh was so far-fetched from reality i mean because if you think about it let's just say you your name is canon winder you're just a regular joe in the 1950s and if i came to you and told you that in 60, 70 years, there's going to be a device that you can use to do anything. You can use to order food. You can use to catch a flight across the country. You can use to ask any question that you, you've ever thought of in the history of humankind. You can use this device for anything. It's also a flashlight. And yeah, also- that's definitely something that you wouldn't have expected. <laughs> exactly. I think I think if you look back at the time where he says this, right at the turn of the century, you just had um, like the transcontinental railroad across the U.S. You have this is like right before cars are invented as well. Right. So it's kind of like at this turning point where you're going from like the steampunk industrial era into like the modern age. Mm. No, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, right. it's not like he would have expected anything of what's about to happen. I don't know how true that quote is. Like, maybe it was never said, but I definitely wouldn't put it past somebody. I mean, look at the quotes we have coming out of, like, some of the famous people right now. Right. Somebody probably said this. No, I, I agree with you. Like I said, it's, it's and it, it kind of begs the question, we're in 2020. Um, I wonder if... Do you think that we have the same type of ignorance? Do you think there are things that are just out of this world that we think is impossible, that will be possible in 100 to 200 years from now? What are your thoughts on that? When you talk about that, I think about AI and the future of robotics. So right. I, think, I, think once, I think the biggest question for science right now is like, what's going to happen once we actually have AI? Because we're 30-something years. Actually, this one guy that went on Joe Rogan he said that we're only 10 years away. I don't know how true that is, but so 10 to 30 years away from AI, that'll be a huge point because that'll be like, how can we use AI to better our world and to change everything? Because AI right. will be able to invent things a lot quicker than regular people. Yeah, I, I'm, I, have, I have to say, you know, his 10-year prediction um, is definitely not off in the sense that they're just from my background of working um, in the government, there are a lot of things that are already accessible 
um, as far as the government goes, that humans or the general public literally has no idea about. So um, AI, um, a lot of the, the technology that's available right now, I mean, the government already had access to it 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I think as we move forward, we have to keep in the back of our minds that there are a lot of things that are already out as far as technological advances that already exist, you know, that the public just doesn't know about. And the general and public we have is... to consider how quickly robotics and computers have advanced. Because, right, right. For example, the first use of the word robot was in 1821 in this like random play in Russia or somewhere like in the Eastern Europe. Right. And the first actual robot was created six years later by a U.S. manufacturing company, which would literally like it would like lift this receiver to accept phone calls. I don't know how it works, but that was like the first real robot. And then we jumped to the first like computers, which were in the late 70s and 80s. And now look at us like you were talking about with the phones. We have these ridiculously advanced cell phones. Right. Who knows what's going to be 40 years in advance after that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you familiar with uh, Boston Dynamics? Not really. Okay. So uh, for, for our listeners that are not familiar with Boston Dynamics, you guys should look them up. They're in charge of building robotics for the future. So they actually have videos. And I wish we could pull out Joe Rogan right now and just like pull it up and have, oh, Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have our viewers see it. Uh, have our viewers, uh, viewers see it. But, uh, Ken, you should definitely check this out when we're done. It's fascinating stuff. Or actually, you can pull it up right now. Do you have your laptop? Yeah. Uh, so we can give our viewers or our listeners a live demonstration. So do me a favor and go to YouTube and just pull up, just type Boston Dynamics Robots. And they're literally building robots of the future. Is this the one, I think this reminds me of like, weren't they like kicking over the robots? Yeah, yeah, you're the ones, yeah. So they're the ones that, you know, they have videos uh, kicking the robots because they're trying to teach them motion and stability. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, the funny thing is, PETA actually came out and were protesting the fact that uh, robot, the robots they were kicking, they seem like sentient beings and it's inhumane and robots need to have rights and i feel like people might hear that now and laugh but these are some of the topics that we're going to be uh really battling with in the future like i can see a future where candidates are running for president and one of the main ticket items is you know robotic rights right you know i don't think it matters that much though because once we have ai I don't know. I mean, I don't really know exactly like what the future is, but I'm, I pulled up the video that you were just one of the videos from them. Right. And at the beginning, the robots like they have, they're not really doing much. They're kind of doing things that you would expect robotics to be at. This is right. in 2012. But then you kind of go forward in the video and there's like this robot who's doing hands and like jumping and stuff. Right. It's crazy. Right, right. In just seven years of advancement. Absolutely. So now think about the comment you made earlier about uh, how robots were in the 1920s and how um, infantile our technology was back then. And think about how things are now. And then fast forward, you know, the, the future is just limitless. Yeah, absolutely. Especially just with how much money could be in this. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, that's not even talk about the money. It's, I mean, that's just insane. That's just insane. And now when we meld, you know, the topic of robots to, you know, obviously we're talking about technology this episode to, you know, all different forms of technology, like we're going to be talking about, like the airplane and the car and so on and so forth. It's just, uh, like I said earlier, the, <laughs> it's limitless. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, just to like, let's go back to the beginning of the century. Sure. 1903, the first flight. Mm. Within 40 years, they're flying and bombing like full cities with right. giant beach 42s. <laughs> right, right. And then right. 40 years after that, in the 80s, you're able to start having commercial flights for regular people across the world to today, where I don't know exactly what the airplane advances we have now, but there's some pretty crazy stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that leads to uh, even the topic of UFOs. I remember in the, in the early um, 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, we had all those sightings of UFOs, and, and the government just said, you know, they're just balloon experiments or, you know, whatever other excuses they made up. Um, there's a lot of people in the scientific field that believe that a lot of those experiments back then in the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s weren't UFOs. They were actually uh, uh, U.S. aircrafts. You know, some, of the, some, of the, some of the advanced aircrafts we have now were being tested back then. So, like stealth planes and stuff? Yeah, 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 stealth planes. So, like I said earlier, it's, you know, it's the stealth bombers, I mean, the stealth bomber is one of the most advanced. Uh, yeah, and those have been out since like the, the 80s. It was actually introduced in, the, in uh, if I remember correctly, in 97. Uh, but the funny thing is, a lot of the... Well, actually, let me take that back. The B-2 specifically oh, okay. was introduced in uh, in 97. But you're right. Um, the earlier versions of our stealth bombers were introduced in the, in the 80s. Because, I mean, they were definitely working on those a lot with the Cold War. Right. So they could fly over Russia and... Absolutely. Absolutely. Spy on them. Absolutely, yeah. So... Uh, to your point earlier about airplanes, you know, it's like I said, like I always like to think about the past and where we're going and it's, it's just exciting, you know, definitely first flight, like you said, it was in 1903 and, you know, to where we're at right now. Uh, it's only been 117 years since then. That's like two generations. Right. Wouldn't it be nice to live for, I, I don't know, like living for eternity is kind of scary, but. Just the idea of just living an extra 100 years or so just to see where we end up when it comes to technology. Yeah, that would kind be of, so cool. That's kind of enticing. But who knows? I mean, maybe we'll nuke ourselves by then and then it'll all be over. I know. I, I Trust me, that's a, that's a whole other topic for another time. One thing I was thinking about as well with the flying and just the airplanes is the entire dynamic of World War One was all ground-based because airplanes were a very very new thing and i mean they literally would like hand drop bombs out of the sides of airplanes because yeah i remember as far that as the technology had gone yeah yeah, um, yeah and that's why they had trench warfare and like that's why world war one played out the way that it did because they couldn't really use the airplane the way that they could 20 years later which created 
the dynamics we had in World War II, where you could go over a whole country and just nuke them or like blow them up with big bombs and like check out what everything they're doing. But in World War One, I, I mean, it's like they would take binoculars and just look down, like, okay, well, they have this artillery piece here and this trench here, but I mean, you're not going to be able to do much with that. Right, right. Well, there that begs the question. I mean, what do you think we're going with um, airplanes? Do you think that we're going to continue to expand on the technology? Uh, do you think we have a future where you're going to see, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred passengers in one airplane because of our, you know, advancement? Or where do you see the future of airplanes? I know that a lot of the airplane industries, they're just not very financially stable. So if they get maybe nationalized or something, they'll be able to like innovate better and move forward with that because right. it is awesome nowadays that we can like, especially with like the United Arab Emirates, Emirates. like their, their airline, Right. they do a really good job. They have like double decker planes. They have showers on the airplanes. It's pretty right, legit. Right. No, yeah, you're right. What do you think that. about it? The future, I feel like, uh, the future of travel of air travel is as uh as limitless in my opinion i feel like in the future planes are going to be a lot faster than they are right now uh just to think about it the average speed for an airliner is about five to what, 600 miles an hour if i'm not mistaken uh and it doesn't feel like that when you're in a plane think about how crazy that is i'm i'm assuming obviously you've been on a plane before yeah uh and just imagine yourself in a plane 13,000 feet above ground and it feels like you're walking like it feels like you're looking out the window and you're moving right. literally like three four miles an hour but you're literally going 600 miles an hour and i i don't want to like say something that's not true but sure. i'm pretty sure that airplanes can't go any faster than they already are like commercial mm. like usage passenger planes they're already going as fast as like possible with the dynamics that they have do you mean based on, are you, are you referring to based on our current technology or are you referring yeah, to based like on like in laws? our current design with it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about, the future. So they're going to be going a lot faster than they are right now. Because you have to remember when airplanes first got invented, they weren't going as fast as they are now. Same thing with the B-2, same thing with all the other planes that were, have been designed. Same thing with the B-21, uh, same thing with the B3, uh, same thing with the B1. <laughs> um, all these airplanes, they've gotten advanced over time. So you only have to do the math in your head and say, well, if all these military airplanes have been getting advanced and advanced and advanced over time, it's only going to happen with passenger airlines. It's inevitable. Unless some type of law is passed that mitigates the speed uh, same thing. Let's even go into trains, for example. It's the same thing applies to trains. Over time, trains have gotten faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, so I think it's inevitable. But you're, you seem to disagree with that. Well, I meant like with the current design of the airplane. I don't. I don't really know much about current aerodynamics or anything. So, but I with trains, it's really fascinating. Like how in other countries, like in Asia, Europe. They have like these really super fast bullet trains that go 250 miles per hour. Exactly. And we're starting to get them out here, but trains aren't still very big in this. Right, right. And that's kind of the same logic I was 
I was trying to explain is with bullet trains, compare a bullet train now and how fast a high-speed bullet train is and compare that to trains in the 1950s. I mean, there's no comparison. Right. Uh, And they're going like 10 times faster. Exactly. Probably more. I mean, a bullet train moves, I think, I think uh, if I remember correctly, it's about 320 uh, kilometers per hour. Dang. So that's way more than 10 times. Um, So it's, I don't know, this is exciting stuff to me. I just like to think about, you know, where we are now and, you know, what we've come from. Uh, But I mean, enough about planes. I mean, let's even talk about radio, for example. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about, so the radio was invented in the 1800s, but it wasn't really commercialized until the 1920s when everybody started getting radios in the home. Right. And what I was thinking about with this is, first of all, there are still people who are alive right now who were alive in the 1920s, which is just kind of crazy to think about because the technology back then was so much more basic. Right. With the radio, right. for example, they would all sit around as a family or whatever in their homes and like listen to the president talk or listen to a fight over the radio. And that was like their enjoyment for the night. (laughs) Right. And nowadays nobody listens to the radio. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the radio is dying, if not already dead, because honestly, I know we're all different. Uh, We all have preferences, but I can't remember the last time I literally can't that I got in a car and turned the radio on. I mean, it, yeah, it's just so much better just to plug in your phone, listen to your own music, yeah, a podcast yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many other forms of entertainment. Like you just said, you can listen to your own music, you can plug in your own phone. There's, there's Apple Music, there's Spotify Music. There's so many different forms of right. audio consumption. Uh, why would you? The one thing that always kind of drives me crazy is just having ads on the radio because they're always really annoying. That's and that's actually what I was just gonna say is why would you listen to the radio where you're forced to listen to ads that you're never gonna purchase or ads of products you're never gonna purchase versus where you can just listen to your own music. So speaking you know? about the car, um, cars were kind of like the biggest transition. So it's actually funny if there was this quote from Henry Ford where it talked about how if Henry Ford he invented the Model T, he invented the car, because if he had asked people what mode of transportation wanted to use, they would have said, we want faster horses, mm. but you can't make a faster horse. So he created the car. Wow. And the Model T, Henry Ford, creating that also opened up a lot of new avenues because it opened assembly work rather than specialized like you do 10 different roles when a factory. Right. After Henry Ford came out, with the Model T, it's like you screw one lug nut onto the wheel every day for like hours on end. Wow. I see. I didn't even know that. That's such a fascinating fact. Yeah. So Henry Ford has invented the assembly line. Mm. Oh, man. I just got an idea. That's funny because when it comes to cars and assembly lines, back to our earlier discussion about robots, those are one of the things that – and we're going to talk, talk more about robots uh, later – on this podcast but it just goes to show how much times have really changed because um, robots are now taking over assembly lines and yeah i mean you look at like a car factory and it's all right, robots right 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 yeah it's 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 crazy uh but to your point yeah i mean what, robots were first right sorry not robots cars uh or the model t specifically 
was created in, in what, 1908? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you, you, look, you look to where we're at now, and um, the, sky is, the sky is just the limit. But I really love the The model? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just oh. going to say, I really love the comment that Henry Ford made about, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse, so I created a car. It kind of gets yeah. you thinking the importance of, of innovation and how you kind of have to be a crazy and be a trendsetter to actually innovate. Yeah, because everyone would have thought you're kind of crazy for coming up with this mechanic like mechanical yeah, horse. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm thinking. I'm I'm trying to picture Henry Ford back in the day right now saying, guys, trust me on this. I'm gonna create this thing. It's gonna look like a box. You know what's funny about <laughs> it too is when people were learning how to drive the Model T for the first time, because when you would go to the store to buy the Model T, they had to teach you how to drive as well, because nobody knew how to drive. And they would instead of braking, they would yell whoa at the car like a horse. Really? Wow, yeah. that's funny. I didn't. I didn't even know that. Um, but yeah, arc. Another thing that the Model T did as well is it just opened up freedom for people to be able to go and live wherever they want to do and just do things and go explore the country and go and just get out of the city because the car allows you to pack up your family and just go. You don't have to stay in the one place anymore or like walk to the next city. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think is the next? Uh leap when it comes to cars because we've gotten really far at this point do you think we're ever going to see a world where we have flying cars um I, I remember in the 2000s and we used to talk about the future and i remember myself specifically saying oh man 20 years from now 30 years from now 40 years from now we're gonna have flying cars and uh 20 years later it doesn't seem like we're any closer to <laughs> to flying cars yeah, it's funny you say that because I actually grew up watching the Jetsons and they all had oh, flying the cars. Oh, Jetsons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like their uh, car would be in a suitcase. So they'd throw right, it and then right. it would turn into a car. I yeah, in, in terms yeah. of like realistic model, I mean, it's really hard to predict the future, obviously. But what we're seeing at least now, and it's easy to say, is we're going to have electric cars that run on like renewable resources. Like, for example, Teslas. And we're, we're going to be forced probably, hopefully, that governments will say hey like no more combustion engines you need to use cars that go off electricity rather than burning fossil fuels right yeah you're i agree with that actually i feel like the next step in um the evolution of cars is integrating ai so ai integration with the current technology that we have right now and if you take a look around uh tesla is a perfect example of that they're doing a great job um with their innovation and i think as time goes on we're going to see either more companies like tesla or tesla continuing to take the baton and continuing to innovate and uh, build better cars because the other companies are having to i mean you look at what a tesla can do versus a regular combustion engine right. blows it out in terms of acceleration you can go a lot farther distance. It's a lot cheaper to refuel your car. It costs about, I think it costs $12 to like charge your right. car, which is way cheaper than a tank of gas. And you're supporting, at least in my belief as a big Elon Musk fan, you're supporting this idea that like humanity is better off 
when you support these good causes rather than just, oh, well, I like this BMW because it's a flex. Well, a Tesla is a pretty dang good flex as well. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think to add to what you just said, which is which which I which I love is in addition to what you just said, um, the human consciousness is shifting into a more um, it's it's shifting into a higher consciousness, for lack of a better term. And, you know, that shift also coincides with using less gas. You know, there's a lot of um, downsides to using gas to get around in your car. So uh, with that ideology in mind, it's it's a no brainer that as time goes on, we're going to look for more re- uh, renewable energy sources, like you said. So it means electric cars uh, and I mean, the list goes on. And it just means that we can we can change the designs. Like the Tesla is not the only version of this idea of an electric car that we can have. I mean, imagine a Mustang that has the engine like a Tesla does mm. and runs on a battery like that. Right. That'd be dope. I would love a car like that. No, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I, I must <laughs> say, though, I think there's going to be a subset of society that um, have a hard time letting go of, of, especially if you're a car fanatic. I love cars, specifically yeah. muscle cars. And there's just something, you know, attractive. When I say attractive, I don't mean to women. I mean, for me, there's something attractive that I like about just hitting the gas and you have the engine revving. And, um, you know, this, you, I don't think you're going to have that. Uh, maybe you will. I, I don't know. I, can't. I know a guy who owns a Lambo and he says that more men go up to him. Like it's like 80% men that talk to him about his car. Right, right. Girls don't really care about it. Right. And, and like I said, just to clarify, when I said attractive, I don't mean from the sense of trying to please the other sex. I just meant for me, there's something I'm drawn to that, um, that just speaks. Um, I can't even describe it. I'm not really a car guy. Okay. But I know what you're right. saying, where it's like there's a lot of intricacy to an engine. Right, it's kind right, of beautiful right, about right. It. Exactly, exactly. So I think, I think from that standpoint, uh, at least in the future, I think there's going to be a draw to just at least having one car. You might have four cars in your garage or three cars, but there's going to be something cool about having one car that still runs on gas. Um, it's kind of the same thing like we have right now where we all have modern cars, but there's a subset of people that love classics for example that's kind of the draw yeah. it's gonna have and that's kind of what i meant by people spend a lot of money on like classic mustangs or classic cars porsches and stuff. right 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 so i kind of i kind of see like 30 years from now like you're driving down the street in a car that still uses gas i feel like there's gonna be a draw to it. like oh my gosh he has a car that still uses gas that's so cool you know that type of thing yeah or you shame and you just say like, hey, we're trying to contribute to a better world. Here. Yeah, yeah, it can go both ways. <laughs> Another innovation that I was thinking about with the futures of cars is um, during my freshman year of like my first business class that I ever took, I had to write a paper like a, I had to create a business okay. and have, it had to be like a, in a, an environmentally friendly business. Okay. The idea that I came up with at the time, so this was 2015, was a basically a taxi service using self-driving cars so like you could request a car on your phone and it would self-drive to where you are and then it would pick you up and then it would take you to where you need to go and then it would just go off and help somebody else 
So that way, like instead of ever needing to have your own car and park your own car, there would just be a bunch of driving cars going around. Wow, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I don't know if it's kind of, I know it's kind of scary because I feel like it's such there's so much innovation going on right now. I don't know though how long it's going to take to get to a point where you can 100% rely um, on the AI technology of your car to safely get you around. I know there was a story that came out about two years ago about a, about a gentleman that um, was in a Tesla and he decided to put his Tesla in auto drive and go to sleep. And the car ended up crashing. Which you're not supposed to right, do, right? I think you have to touch the steering wheel every 30 yeah, seconds Yeah, that's what or they something. say. But then again, we all know that one of Tesla's main messages is, yeah, we make the only car where it's fully self-driving. So you're... Right. So what happened to him? He, he died. He died. Like he got in a car yeah, crash? Yeah, yeah. So... Was it caused by his car? Well, that's the thing. We d don't know. But what they do know is that he put his car in auto drive. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it just begs the question, you know, where, where obviously we can't expect everything right now. It takes time to innovate and to improve. Um, but yeah, and that's the thing, too, is just humans are prone to error. And everybody, people get in car crashes every day, all the time. Hmm. It's not like humans are very good drivers anyways. I mean, I would be much more willing to take a chance on an AR car than even myself. Right. That is true. That is true. Because I make errors all the time when I'm driving. And it's not like I'm purposely making those errors, but it's just like, oh, you know, you, you zone out for one second and everything changes and you could get in a car crash easily because other people might not be paying attention or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if every... So let's, let's picture a world where they don't allow you to drive your own car where they basically say like the only cars that are allowed to be driven are from AI. I'm pretty sure you'd have no accidents or if you did, it would be like very rare. You know, it's funny you say that because it was, it was, there was actually a study and I can't remember why, not why I can't remember who um, did the study, but there, there was a study that was conducted and the, the study found that if all cars in the States or anywhere, we're all AI driven, there would be no traffic. Yeah, that too. You wouldn't even need traffic lights. Right, right. There'd actually be no traffic because traffic is a human made thing. It's a system. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's because of how people drive. That's, right. that's what creates the backlog, not because of the amount of cars. It's just based because of how people drive. So yeah, I just wanted to, to point that out because what you just said was, was definitely coincided with that uh, study. And if you even look at like how ants will walk around in an anthill, they don't really trample each other. Like they kind of oh, figure out how to go around each other. They have like this chemical sense. Yeah. That would be how those AI cars would be. That's such a good point. There's never a backlog. I've never seen a bunch of ants walking in a line and it's like a backlog. It's always, they're always walking in unison. Yep. Um, they're never at a full stop. That's such a good point. Ants are fascinating. We we have to do an episode on that eventually. Yeah, I mean, I'll be more than happy to. Ants are super fascinating. The the your hierarchy, even bees. Yeah, bees are cool bees. too. Same thing with bees. Um, yeah. So continuing our discussion, uh, we already talked about robotics earlier, but robotics is another fascinating um, aspect of technology. Um, is there anything that you like, well, what do you feel about robotics and the past of robotics and 
the possible future. Well, I think a lot of what we've been talking about already plays heavily into robotics. I mean, regardless of the idea of an actual robot that's like has a human form, but you know, like self-driving cars, that maybe that isn't like the right word for it, but that's kind of how I view robots. It's like robots are way more than just like this human form. They're our technology itself. Right. That semi-conscious ability. I don't know exactly what the word for be. Right. Um, robots are cool though. I, I've always loved robots even when I was a little kid and um, I used to build a lot of Legos and like build little robot Lego guys and stuff. Right, right. But I don't know much more about like the future. Um, what does the Boston Dynamics have in the future for us? Do you know? Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot that they have in the future uh, for us. I, they're, they're one of the major companies on the uh, leading edge of robotics. Um, but it's funny because uh, you did mention earlier that you're a fan of Elon Musk. So I actually have a question for you. Do you agree with his I idea that, you know, robots, robots um, could be a huge detriment to us in the future? Oh, absolutely. If you look at just how humans have dealt with technological change, it's not a very good track record. So as soon as we start getting AI, I mean, who knows? If somebody uses AI in the wrong direction and uses that for evil, we're looking at Terminator. <laughs> That's like basically mm -hmm. what he says about it. Right. Yeah, it's like I said, it's 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 such I mean, robots are very interesting to me. Um, I feel, well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to well, I'm going to take it way off. So if you have anything more to say about it, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's... OK, so what I was just kind of thinking about with the robotics is. Um, for example, like one of the innovations of the 20th century was I would say the company of McDonald's. If you if you watch the McDonald's documentary or it's a movie on Netflix and it's got Michael Keaton in it. So really, I love that movie. But it, it what the movie basically is about in the story of McDonald's is that McDonald's figured out how to make food into an assembly line. So they kind of like revised Henry Ford's idea and, and innovated on that where it's like, one person at McDonald's will flip all the hamburgers and then the next person will put the cheese on it. Right. And the next person will put like, he'll squirt like a little bit of ketchup on it and they have like special tools for the ketchup. And the future of that, like if we were to keep going, we're already seeing this at McDonald's where instead of having cashiers, you can have self-checkout stations. Even to go farther than that, it's like, at what point do you just have entire uh, restaurants that are run automated, like in Jimmy Neutron? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're far, far off from that. I don't think we... As long, if you can make it profitable, I think it would happen. Yeah, I don't think we're far off from that because of one major reason. And that major reason is the fact that this pandemic, and for those that listen to it, listen to this podcast in the future, we're referring to COVID-19. Uh, this pandemic, in my opinion, has really fast-tracked the uh, need and development for, one, AI, two, virtual reality. I feel like we're moving <laughs> very fast into a world where technology is taking over. Because now you have to think about the fact that we, right now at least, we can't hang out with each other. We can't touch each other. We can't physically go to work. And so many other things that we're used to doing that we can't do. So what does this create? This creates the demand for a world where technology is taking over. 
So imagine if, if something like this happens again 10 years from now. But instead of physically going to work, you can just sign in, put on your VR headset, and virtually be at work. And you're seeing your coworkers. They all have their avatars. You guys are talking. <laughs> you're at a desk. You're working like normal. You know, same thing I... with uh, any other thing you can think about that requires you physically going to work. Maybe go to the grocery store, for example. You know, you don't need to physically go, physically go anymore. You put on your, your, your VR mask. You virtually go to the store. You order everything that you want. And then two hours later, it's delivered to you at your house. I mean, by a self-driven AI robot delivery driver. Thank you. <laughs> so we laugh at these things, but this is really the future. Well, I don't even know when you're saying about VR being at work. Like, I don't see the point in that necessarily. I well, mean, why, why? what would be the... Go ahead. Because there's just, there's just no point in like going to work a lot of the... Like for some of these specific reasons, I can see what you're going with it. But at the same time, it's like at least practically like in the real world, it's showing people that we don't have to do everything person to person. Like we don't need to fly halfway across the country for business and do a meeting in person. We could just call them. Right. And, and I'm actually on the same boat as far as that comment goes. But I do feel like for every uh, company owner out there that feels the way you feel, there's going to be at least three or four that says, yeah, company policy you have to report to work virtually every day. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, just, just, I mean, I'm that now, like I, I have to physically go to work a couple of days a week just to like show my exactly. face because that's, it's, and it's still dumb. It's such an archaic and outdated way of doing things. But like I said, there's a lot of company owners right out right now that feel like, or even before this happened, that felt like, you know what? They don't need to freaking come to work. It's pointless. All my employees can work from home. And they do. And for every person that exists like that that's out there, there's another asshole company owner that, that makes their employees come to work when they can obviously work. And there's definitely like positions, essential businesses who you can't just like work remotely. You do have to go actually go to work. Right, 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 right. So it's going to be exciting to see. I, I think that there's definitely two sides of the coin. I love that we're looking at things from uh different sides of the coin versus just agreeing with with each other uh so i think it's going to be very um interesting to see you know where we are and what kind of uh technological advances we already have in place if and when something like this happens again and when you're talking about VR, that kind of made me think about the book and movie Ready Player One, how oh. the actual mm. world that they live in really sucks. Right. But they like <laughs> created this really awesome virtual world that they always go to. Right. And I'm kind of scared about that because I think that that could be something that actually happens. Uh, Canon, I dare to challenge you and say it's already happening. I mean, think about how unhappy people are, even this day and age. A lot of us live a life that's really not true. I mean, if you think I'm, I'm lying, just go to Instagram. There's so many people on Instagram living a life that's not real. You know, that's so true. They post these pictures of them being happy. They post pictures of their boyfriend, of their girlfriend that they and they freaking hate their guts. <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. post pictures of them traveling. Um, they may they might travel to one country and then post 
the same pictures of them traveling for the next two years. You know, so I have to say we already live in a world like that. There are a lot of us that are even just depressed because we compare ourselves to what we see on social media. You know, and yeah. this is another, t- I, I don't want to get too deep into this topic because I feel like we can actually make this an episode. You yeah. know, the advent of social media, for example. Uh, yeah, social media is basically destroying all the new, like Gen Z. It is destroying my generation. Exactly, exactly. So to your point just a few seconds ago, I feel like Ready Player One is going to be something that actually happens. Because guess what? How do you get away from your miserable life, from the job you hate, from, from your nagging girlfriend or boyfriend? You know, you don't have any friends. Or maybe you do, but you just, you're not happy. How do you get away? Virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, and video games. And video games. Because, I mean, I, I do enjoy most of my life. And there's definitely hard times and there's good times. But video games just as a separate entity, like just as an entertaining thing, video games in my opinion, are so much better than like 99% of other activities. They're way more stimulating. They release a lot of dopamine in your brain. They are so fun. There are just days where I'll be thinking, I'll be at work and I'll just be like, I can't wait till I go home and play video games for five hours right. straight. Yeah. It's... <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's not a good life, but that's like the, that if imagine if it was like Ready Player One where you jump into that headset and live that virtual world, I don't see why you would ever leave that. You know, and the thing is, uh, we actually already have, now that I think about it, we already have semblings of that future. We do. And the reason I, I say that is because I purchased, I think it's the Oculus Rift or I forgot what the actual name is. But Oculus Quest? The Oculus Quest. Thank you. Yeah. The little like, it's, you need a computer for it. You just pop yeah, it on your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I purchased that. Yeah, it's awesome. A few weeks ago or a few months ago. Uh, this was last year. And it was just something as it was supposed to be a joke, something to, to use for fun. And then before I knew it, fast forward a week or week or two after I purchased it, I realized this is the future. Because you <laughs> could literally you could literally uh, put it on, right? They have they have movie rooms that you can go into. You can go into a, me- a movie room and keep in mind this is VR and it looks like it feels like you're there, right? You can mm-hmm. go into a movie room and there are people like playing movies so you can literally in virtual reality go to a theater wow. <laughs> and watch a two or three hour movie with people so you look around it's 360 you can look around and it's other human beings in the theater but they look like avatars oh. and you can like hang out and talk and like throw popcorn at each other <laughs> That sounds great. It's a, no, I'm telling you, this is the future. So then you don't have to pay seven bucks to go to the movie theater. Anything. Everything's free. The only thing you pay for is the the the. Um, the How much is it? It was five hundred dollars. I mean, that's pretty pricey, but I guess that's about the same price as like a regular console. Would yeah, be. yeah, it's about yeah. Well, I'll say about twice the size. Of, a little more. Twice the price of a regular yeah. console, but um, I stopped using it just because I got really busy, but. Honestly, this is the beginning of the future I'm talking right. about. You know, we're not we're not really because if you could do that, I mean, imagine like you could have virtual friends. You could yeah. go on virtual like expeditions. Like you could pretend. I don't know. Like I'm just picturing like you could be a pirate and like actually be a pirate for 
couple hours or you could i mean you could have like a girlfriend no you know, i know like it sounds do virtual sex and stuff it sounds funny that'd be the future right true. there i mean it, we're laughing about it but it's really true i feel like we're in the beginning stages of ready player one because oh yeah man um it's scary yeah it's it's exciting i hope the actual world scary. doesn't get that bad yeah i don't see you know canon i don't see a way where it's not i really don't because if you look if you just have to trace our history to predict the trajectory that we're on right now. Um, like I said, especially with social media, I feel like social media is just doing a lot of damage, especially when you think of how MySpace started and Facebook and then Instagram, now TikTok. It's just making us more lonely. Mm-hmm. And I just have a hard time picturing a world where we're getting less lonely versus more lonely. Year. Since like the 80s, kind of, we had like the war on drugs where it's like you can't do psychedelics or like the bad drugs. Obviously, there are a lot of bad drugs, but maybe I think lately, especially with like weed being legalized everywhere and even mushrooms being legalized in a few states, we're seeing that maybe we can reconnect with the earth and reconnect with like our ancestors right. through that way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I feel like that's going to be... Um a huge thing hopefully but i also feel like you know those people that are awakened or are going through their awakening journey are going to be uh far and few in between i feel like you're really gonna have to try hard to find people like that because that's not but i think once people realize that and once people reconnect with the world itself I don't think they're going to just sit around and wait for things to change. I think those are going to be the, the innovators, the people who want to actually fix the world we live in and make it better. So that way people don't want to just live through the internet and live through virtual reality. Right. No, I, I hope so. I really do. I really do. Um, there are a lot of executives in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, that actually do microdose and take psychedelics. And this isn't something that a lot of people know about or are aware of, but this is literally a thing in san francisco Hmm. like the wealthiest the wealthiest executives and companies in the world microdose on uh psychedelics mushrooms lsd you can go on it you can go on and on about the different um psychedelics they use but it's it's actually a thing what is the benefit of microdosing like what does it do so it gives you uh the benefits of being on psychedelics without the downsides, without all the crazy hallucinations and um, the feeling of fear and possible psychosis uh, that goes from overdosing on uh, psychedelics. So there are a lot of... What are those benefits? I'm sorry? What are the benefits of, that you were talking about? Of uh, you mean, Like the specific benefits of uh, microdosing? Yeah, because you just said it was like the microdosing gives you the benefits without having like the the actual like hallucinations or whatnot. Right. So right. what are like some of the benefits that they get out of sure. it? Sure. Uh, I'd say less anxiety. Uh, creativity is, a, is huge. Uh, hmm. Feelings of being content. Uh, higher performance, especially when it comes to the mental aspect. So very, very high mental performance, which is something that's really needed in a high-stress environment, as you can imagine. Um, I already mentioned creativity, um, higher senses of empathy, 
being able to deal with trauma, um, enhanced writing. So especially if you're a writer or let's say you're preparing a report, uh, that definitely helps. Um, gotcha. Just, I mean, I can go on and on. Mood elevation, hmm. uh, less migraines, higher job performance. Um, this all comes from just, what is a microdose? So I don't, I don't, I don't microdose, so I don't know the exact amount. But so mm-hmm. let's say if, let's use mushrooms or psilocybin, for example. Let's say on a psilocybin dose, somebody takes one gram or two grams or three grams. A microdose would be, I'd say, 0.5 grams. So you take like a half or less dose. Oh, definitely. So no, so half a gram would be 0.50. So a, a microdose would be 0.5, which is a standard dose. Let's say a, oh. a standard dose is one gram. A microdose would be 0.5. So like a tenth. Of yeah, it. yeah, very, very, very gotcha. low doses. Okay. Um, as opposed to, like I said, taking a full dose where you get the hallucinations and um, some of the benefits and downsides, you're only getting all the benefits. LSD was first synthesized in 1938. So mm. it's, it's, it's actually like a relatively new thing. I didn't realize, I don't know. I, I just don't know enough about it, but sure. it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the thing with, and we can talk about this a different podcast, but I feel like um, man-made psychedelics uh, scare, is scary to me because um, it, LSD is obviously man-made. So um, it's, it's scary and also interesting because um, for us to, to be able to create something that mimics the psychedelic and spiritual nature of um, substances that are found on the planet is interesting. Like I said, yeah. it's very interesting to me how we can mimic those uh, same experiences. Um, it's interesting that even an effect like this would come from Earth itself. Like the fact that this even exists in the first place is kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's crazy though. I feel like there are a lot of things that exist uh, in a planet that are hidden from us, that are shunned from Ooh. us, that are um, that were made to believe is bad. Uh, a simple, very simple example of that is marijuana. Um, I've never yeah. heard of someone using marijuana and beating their boyfriend to death or killing their husband, wife. Obviously, you know, overdosing does cause issues like paranoia and anxiety and a whole other slew of issues. But there's like that famous saying of no one has ever died from smoking. Exactly, weed. exactly. And this is something that has always bothered me. Uh, the idea that we um, put a bad rap or give a bad rap to so many positive medicines. And I call them medicines, yeah. not drugs, because... Uh, marijuana is a plant. Medicine. Well, and even like, even when you go deeper into like some of the man-made stuff, like even some opioids, like specific, there are specific like quote unquote bad drugs that actually can have positive effects. Like science has been able to study them more and more recently. I can't remember which one it was, but there's like this specific opioid where you take a really smaller, like a smaller dose than what they normally give you. It can actually like do a lot of good things. Right. And so I hope that they're able to do more science on that and like figure out like, 
what what drugs can actually do and like how we can manage that better in society. Right, right, right. I feel like it, it, this goes in line with what you mentioned earlier about humanity waking up. I, I think that as time goes on, uh, governments are going to be more lenient uh, with, quote unquote, what they describe as drugs or schedule one drugs. But I think that's only because as time goes on, human beings are going to be waking up and yeah. they're going to be less tolerant of the hold that the government has uh, on the people. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to see a, a huge change. When I was in Amsterdam, it was very eye-opening to me. It was very odd. Uh, it felt odd, at least. I felt like I was in a different planet because they're so free with, you know, quote-unquote drugs over there. And they don't have a drug problem. You know, I talked about, um, I, I talk about on the, uh, my Mary Jane podcast, the idea that uh, I walk, when I was in um, Amsterdam, you can walk into any store, like a standard 7-Eleven, and there's marijuana everywhere. <laughs> there's, there's, really? It's like normal. Like it's normal. it's not a big deal. Like there's literally, you walk into a kid's store and there's marijuana there. Like it's in candy. It's in everything. So it's hmm. in like you can go and buy like a cookie. And there's marijuana in the cookie. Obviously, they announce it. It's not like hidden in the, in the cookie. But it's just right. that's just part of life. I mean, how is that any different than? being able to go to a convenience store in America and just like buying a bunch of booze. And that doesn't seem that different. Well, it's, it's different in the sense that if you go to a convenience store in the U S and buy a bunch of booze and get in a car, you're more, you're probably going to kill somebody. Well, yeah, that's true. And well, not just getting in a car, but like even at home, you're much more likely to commit domestic abuse exactly. or harm yourself exactly, or just kind of be a douche. Like right, right. the alcohol has way worse effects than weed has ever given most people right yeah so i'm I'm. trust me if 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 <laughs> if weed had the same effects like alcohol i guarantee you it would not be legalized all over the country in amsterdam if if it did i mean i wouldn't be talking about it right now right you know? like it's not like we're sitting here talking about like heroin or something right no you're right so it's it's just very interesting to look into and i i over the years i've discovered a lot about um, I've learned a lot about uh, marijuana and I don't smoke. So it's funny. I just, lo I love learning. So I've learned a lot about yeah. marijuana and, and how it dates back to ancient civilizations. And, uh, along with a lot of other medicines that, you know, like psychedelics. Yeah. 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 So, cause I, I actually did a podcast, um, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago with this guy who he's originally from India and he was telling me just a little bit about how. India is such an old culture and they've been, I mean, you can grow psychedelic mushrooms and like they, it's much more open with those kinds of things because they understand the spiritual value that those have. Right. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know where to start. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot. We can, we can talk, we can, maybe we could do like a, do some more research and do a whole episode on it. But yeah, I think the best point that you talked, that you said, and I agree with is, um, learning new things will never hurt. And being open mind and just like being willing to learn and loving learning is one of the biggest things that I've ever had in my life that's just really enabled me to become a better person and to be smarter and have more fun conversations as well. Yeah, you just said the magic word, having an open mind. And yeah, uh, that triggered me actually because I just remembered <laughs> being a kid and growing up in 
church. My parents are Christians. And I, I, I identify as a Christian too, but I don't subscribe to a lot of ideologies that, you know, religion tends to push down on us. But the reason it triggered me was because I remember growing up as a kid and uh, spending days and days in church. Mm-hmm. We had these things called night vigils <laughs> where you go to church on Friday night and then you, you have to sleep in church. So they pray overnight and then, uh, or you're supposed to be praying too, but you're a kid, so you're definitely sleeping. Um, <laughs> and then you wake up on Sunday, you go home on Sunday, and then guess what happens again on, sorry, I said that incorrectly. You wake up on Saturday. So you go to church Friday night, you pray overnight, you wake up on Saturday, you go home on Saturday, and then guess what happens on Sunday? You go back to church. So, uh, yeah, imagine being raised it. in an environment like that your whole life. And, you know, when you are, what happens is your worldview changes because there's no way you can have an open mind as a kid. Uh, so, like I said, when you said open mind, I just remember that and just the importance of having, having an open mind. Um, well, and I would say about this, just it's easy to settle once you feel like you believe in something or you're able to just like accept whatever religion you're doing or whatever. You just kind of get into your mode of life. Right. You have to kind of seek out other opinions or else you're just going to be like in your bubble and then you're never going to really be open minded because you're not being challenged. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, you said it. that was beautiful. And that, that also leads me to the fact that. And this is something we can do on a different podcast because there's so many things we can we can talk about. I love I love our uh, our tandem, but uh, this leads me to the fact that a lot of the belief systems that we grew up with aren't really ours. It's just something that we've been taught. So right. you think of I mean, go ahead. Look, just look at like the geographic spread of religion. It's like it's very geographical. It's not like you wake up or you're born and your parents are like. Here's a platter full of different religions. I hope you choose ours. It's like, well, you got born into our family, so you're part of our religion. Right, right. No, it's it's true. It's it's so true. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm glad. I when I look back, I'm glad I was raised the way I was raised, only because I feel like it made me who I am. It made me open. It made me be more independent. It made me find my own way. Um, and I feel like everything happens for a reason. But on the on the flip side of that, there are a lot of people that get raised in a certain region, like you said, and subscribe to those beliefs, not because it's how they really feel, but it's because that's how, you know, they were grown. I mean, they were, um, they were raised. And there have been times where I, I thought to myself, Hmm, I believe in God, which I do. I believe he's real, not because of what I've been taught, but because of my, ex- my personal experiences. But then again, I think to okay. myself, so if I was raised in the Middle East, would I still subscribe to the Bible's version of God? Right. You know, if I was raised in India, would I still, quote unquote, believe in God the way I do now? So it just kind of gets you thinking, you know, what are my beliefs and what are the beliefs that have been planted inside me? And which, where do you draw the line? Right. I mean, when you're talking about that, it's the exact same for me where... I was actually uh, born in Utah and grew up LDS Mormon. And it's like, what are the odds of that happening? And what are the odds that I would have ever touched Mormonism in my life had I been born in a 
different country like Egypt right, or right, China right. or something like that. Zero. The, the, the odds are zero, basically. Right. So it's kind of just wild to think about. No, I think it's a, valid, a, very, it's a very valid point. And I think that the answer to my question and your question as well is just to go on your own journey. You know, you have to be brave enough to go on your own journey because, you know, it's it's a lot. It's very scary. You know, no matter what religion you're raised in, it doesn't matter if you're Christian, if, if you're Muslim, if you're LDS, if you're Scientology, it doesn't really matter. But um, it doesn't matter because we all feel the same fear of stepping out to the unknown. You know, the unknown is very, very scary. And this permeates all areas of our life you can be in a relationship so and the unknown of breaking up with that bad boyfriend or that bad girlfriend it's still scary it's almost even more um safe to stay in that relationship you know you could be in a in a at a job that you freaking hate but the unknown of leaving that comfortable job that you know you're gonna get paid every two weeks wake up you go to work every single day knowing exactly what you're supposed to do at work there's safety that comes with that, even though you don't want to be there. It could be a marriage. You know, you hate. And something that you learn as you get older is that you never grow without leaving your safety. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's such a cliche statement, but it's so true. And there's a reason yeah. why uh, statements are cliche, because they're freaking true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's, it's another thing that we all need to start facing is, you know, fear, you know. Fear is not real. It's just false evidence appearing real. It's not real. And, you know, you kind of have to be right. brave and just face that fear. Face that fear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not like a lot of these innovations of the 20th century and just inventions in general. Um, Galileo didn't get put on house arrest and got his telescope taken away because he wasn't willing to just push the boundary like right. he was willing to go up against the biggest church who had complete control over his entire country and say like no i believe in this and like i'm going to keep working on this and same with like anybody who's inventing things you're pushing the limit you're leaving your comfort zone and you're working really hard to like push science you're pushing innovation right yeah i mean does it just it just comes with the territory it really does there was a quote i read a long time ago which I really, really liked. And it said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it said something along the lines of, um, no, um, no well-behaved woman has ever accomplished anything. And it's true. And it's <laughs> That's good. the same thing with men. I'd yeah. say, I mean, no well-behaved man has ever accomplished anything. You know, think about every single person that you respect now and that you've ever respected. You know, right. they were hated. Well, I think specifically loved. that quote for women makes a lot of sense and is really good. Mm. And it because especially for most of human history, it's been like as a woman, you're basically forced to just get married to somebody. And that's like the only way that you can succeed in the world. Like you have to do everything from under the shadow of your husband. Right. But the women who pushed past that and rebelled and um, like Marie Antoinette, who like went into radiology, she wasn't, we don't even know what her husband's name right. was. <laughs> I mean, I don't, off the top of my head. Right. No, I mean, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, I, I, I really um, support all the um, brave men and women 
out there that are yeah. just not scared of fear and just embracing fear and failure and conquering fear and failure every single day because it's a constant battle. It really is. Yeah. And just like thinking about the greater, some of the greatest inventors like Thomas Edison who failed 999 times before on his thousandth try or whatever the story right, goes right. that he was finally able to invent the light bulb. Mm. And it's, it's just amazing because it's like, imagine how tough that would have been on try, try number eight <laughs> and then try 200, right. try 900. It's like, how do you not just like say, screw this, I'm going to drink right. or whatever. But what is that? I'm going to do something else. Perseverance though. I feel like, you know, it's something that uh, is hard to constantly keep up with. And what I mean by that is, you know, like you just said, on the eighth try, it's so much easier to just say, you know what? I tried. It didn't work. And that speaks to the importance of perseverance. I still remember when I was a kid, I was learning to just, I was starting, I was learning to exercise. And my brother gave me a very valuable lesson that I never forget. Um, he said, if you want to be successful when it comes to fitness, you have to persevere. You have to be consistent. You have to do it every single day. And obviously, didn't literally mean every single day of your life. But he was trying to teach me a lesson about perseverance. Uh, same thing like you were just talking about with Thomas Edison and the light bulb. So I think it's something that we can definitely all learn from. You can take from Thomas Edison and uh, realize that, especially when you really want something in your life, you have to persevere. You know, nothing worth having has ever come easy. And nope. I think it's a theme that we can all relate to. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good thought. And it's really deep, too. I, I love how deep our conversation yeah. <laughs> has already been. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, we don't we don't sugarcoat here on the Canon Things nope. podcast. <laughs> mm -mm, we don't BS. I don't put up BS in my life. But yeah, it's it's uh, like like I digress. It's it's going back to our uh, technology episode. It's it's um, it's exciting. I like I said, I love technology. I've always been into technology since I was a kid. And it's it's exciting stuff. It's exciting. Stuff. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited for just the future of even podcasting. I was because I was talking to my friend the other day and he was like, well, don't you think that your podcast is going to fail because there's thousands of other podcasts? And I just told him, I'm like, well, I mean, who knows what the future of podcasting is, what what kind of format it'll be in or whatever, or like if it'll just completely die off or whatever. But I got to give it a good try because it's something that I like doing and I feel like I'm a good I do a good job at it. And if I just give up because I, I know that there's a lot of competition, well, hell, whoever started a good business because they were or whoever just like gave up a business because they were like, oh, well, there's so much competition. Well, that's just life is there's always going to be other people, but you just got to keep trying. Yeah, I'm going to have to call out your friend here. And say that. You know, I think that that's a huge issue in, our, in a lot of our I can't talk today. That's a huge <laughs> issue in a lot of our lives is limiting beliefs. You yeah. know, um, I mean, it's just something I just can't relate to because, of course, your friend was trying to prevent you from failure. But at the same time, 
you know, think about if the if a doctor says, oh, there's so many doctors out there. Why would I want to be a doctor? I'm not going to get any business. Or a lawyer says, why should I be a lawyer? There's dozens of lawyers. There's millions of lawyers. I'm not going to get any business. Or, or Elon Musk starting a car company, even though there's thousands yeah, of yeah. car companies. Or, or you running for president. You know, imagine yeah. if you're running for president and I say, Cannon, why are you running for president? There's so many candidates. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine And I'd that? be like, I'm the freaking best candidate. That's exactly. why. <laughs> so you have to rise above the fray. You have to rise above, ab above the noise and believe in yourself. Self-belief is everything. You know, imagine. Right. If you And even if I fail, even if I fail hard at this, I'm going to give it a good shot because if this will, this is giving me, this is teaching me the lesson of failure is just growth. And if I, you know, if I go into something else, I can give it my best effort as well. And even if I fail a thousand times at starting my own kind of company or my own ventures, eventually, if I try that hard a thousand times, I'm going to succeed at it. I, and, and, and Canon, I love what you just said. You said it beautifully because that's the key to everything. And the sad part, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I, I want to say it, and I'm sure your friend is an amazing person. So this isn't about me um, uh, saying anything bad about him, but yeah. I'm just saying like th there are a lot of people in our lives that want the best for us, but inadvertently derail our dreams. You know, I can even use my parents, for example. My parents love me to death. They would do anything for me. But when I was trying to retire, my mother really, literally came to me and said, are you sure you don't want to work? You don't want to keep a job? Because, you know, if you retire, um, you're not really going to be safe anymore. And, you know, why don't you just work till you're 60? And, and I was just looking at her with, are you really saying this to me right now? Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, because, you know, from from her standpoint she was saying it from a caring place she doesn't want right. her son same with friend yeah yeah she doesn't want her son to be jobless and she wants to make sure he you know has some social security stashed away and but she wasn't thinking about the fact that i literally have to be miserable for the rest of my life to keep a job you know or same with your friend he, he didn't realize that maybe from your standpoint you'd feel like a failure if you didn't if you didn't go through and fail because there's nothing right. wrong with and the failing. Tr the truth is, for me, is just that it's like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be doing nothing. So at least I'm doing something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, failure is not a bad thing. I embrace failure. The issue isn't failing. The issue is never trying to begin with. Yep, exactly. You know, so for everybody out I there, wish I would have started this sooner. I know, I know. There's, there's, there's never a perfect time to do anything. The perfect, the best time to do it is today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that one. You know, so for everybody out there listening to this right now and listening to to Cannon's uh, experience, I, I say, you know, just do what you want to do. This is the perfect time. And, you know, I talked about this on one of my other podcasts. There's no better time in history for you to wake up and say, you know what? I don't care if I fail. I'm going to do it. Use Canon as an example. You know, you don't have to believe that you're going to win or you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish, but you have to try. Because there's always going to be doubt in our minds. Like, oh, did I do it right? Nothing's ever going to be perfect. You know, so 
uh, Cannon's friend. I'm sure you're a great guy. Uh, but I'm glad Planet Cannon didn't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I mean, I'm already too. I have too much steam already, so Amen nothing's gonna stop me. I I love the fact that we can just go off on something completely random, different tangents, and yet still, I, it's great content for sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this this just speaks of uh, how intelligent you are. You know, you're the best complimenter. You've been complimenting all day. I'm like blushing <laughs> out here. No, I feel the same exact way about you, Michael. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. It just speaks of your intelligence because at the end of the day, I mean, I, I hate to keep saying this, but think of Joe Rogan. What's the last yeah. time you watched a Joe Rogan podcast and heard him talk about one thing for three hours? And, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And that's actually why I first got drawn to him. Same. And that's that's the first that's one of my main reasons for wanting to do a podcast because I've always felt like I know a lot of things. I love learning and I get bored talking about one. Th I don't want to talk about one thing for three hours with anybody. It has nothing to do with podcasts. And even with my friends, you know, we start talking about a book recommendation and then go from that to the meaning of life. And then go from that to spirituality and then go from that to success and business and so many different things to traveling uh so yeah just uh it's a, it's a great thing and you should you should view that as a compliment to yourself you know Thanks, so <laughs> uh i'm excited at the future and we're gonna do a lot more yeah uh amazing podcasts together and uh for my listeners where's i'll do yours first so for your listeners uh they're listening to this right now you can find me again uh, on the Cheesecake and Coffee podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And then you can find me online as well at uh, michael.skywalk uh, on Instagram. And uh, Canon, if you don't mind telling my listeners how they can find you and again, the name of your podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually starting a website right now and it should be up within a few days. I mean, it's already published, but I'm just continuing to edit it. So that website's canonthinks.com and it's got all my socials, all my links. And I'm actually gonna be starting a YouTube channel along with it. And it's gonna have my podcast with overlaying video game content as well. So if you're into that, you can also check that out. And so yeah, Canon Thinks, you can find it pretty much anywhere. And if you like my show, please give it, and this show, so mine and Michael's as well. If you could rate it on Apple Podcasts, it's a big help in the algorithm, and it, we really appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, Cannon, if you don't mind, can you uh, tell uh, your listeners, and mine as well, uh, the name of your YouTube channel, what it's going to be? Um, so it's just Thanks as well. Okay, Cannon Thanks as well. Okay, yeah. great. And my, my, what my plan is is basically to take my podcast content and have like video games. So I have a buddy who plays a lot of video games, and he's really good. So we're going to be taking his clips, some of his really good clips, and just putting that on top of the podcast. So that Ooh, way, if you like, like looking at things while you're listening, it's just another way for you to listen to my show as well. I love that. Oh, that's a great idea, actually. I love that idea. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. Well, Canon, it's been a super pleasure. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait, like I said earlier, to, to do a whole bunch of more fun content and have a bunch of fun discussions with you so, yeah future's bright for us yes <laughs> yes yeah and, uh, thanks again thank you and then until next time guys 
May the force be with you. Today's outro music is provided by Lana Del Rey. It's summertime sadness, but the synthwave 80s version. You can find the link to the YouTube channel that made this in the description below. Hope you guys enjoy.